Welcome to Make 'em Take 'em, brought to you by Rookie Rookie, the online basketball store for all us basketball fans in the UK. Make sure you go over, have a look at what they have to offer. It's rookie.uk. And remember, that's rookie without the E. Um, back to our episode today. I am once again joined by the Irish to my Cunningham, Chris Mays. Hey, Chris, how are we doing? All right, thanks. How long did it take you to work out that one? <laughs> uh, do you know what? I had another one that I thought was so niche. It was going to be the hail to my pace. And then I thought, yeah. I'm not sure anyone knows who hail and pace are anymore. No. So I think that might have been a little bit too niche. Um, <laughs> so I thought I'd jump back to basketball and find a, a, a combo that we both have an affinity with for sure. Yes. Okay, so we've had the international break this weekend. Firstly, uh, huge congratulations to GB, the coaching staff, the players. Phenomenal result on Thursday against Greece. First time in decades that they've turned over a Greek side. I'm not listening to anyone saying, oh, yeah, but it was second string players. You put you beat who's put out in front of you and they beat Greece. Uh, they should take a huge credit for that. They also started really well against Turkey, um, but things didn't go to plan there. But one, one out of two isn't bad from those two games you know we talked about that in the last episode so a full congrats to them um our episode today is going to focus back on the bbl and one of the teams that didn't take a break for the international window and that was the sharks uh, they beat the eagles by nine on friday live on sky sports and then lost to the raid uh, the riders sorry by eight on the sunday question i've got for you uh chris is sharks are close to being a top team what do they need to make them a contender I think if they're going to stick with this small ball rotation that they're playing at the moment, playing four guards, which obviously works for them, I think to be a contender, it's finding ways where they can actually learn to control the pace against the top teams and, and have an impact against when teams try and slow you down. Leicester did a very good job at slowing down that team, using their size, changing up rotations, changing up the stars of play and I just don't think that the Sharks could shoot their way out of that pace or be able to gain the pace to be going forward I think their identity on the floor is very clear I just wonder you know they're just missing one or two pieces uh, an interior scoring in some ways to actually just be able to get a couple of runs a couple of stops you know a different sort of look to be able to take on the top three teams couple of things you picked you, you you pointed out that definitely kind of a red flags for me looking at the sharks and thinking about them are they going to break into that kind of top top three top two if they could if they could um first of all who's who's kind of running and controlling the tempo who's the the leader within that outfit i'm not sure i'm completely convinced i know who it is right now um and then the second one that you picked out that the statistics definitely bear this out that there seems to be some kind of front court issue they're the worst rebounding team in the league, just 30 rebounds a game. Um, what is this front court issue? It seems strange because you've got Tuck. He's only averaging nine minutes a game. Um, you've got uh, you've also got Del Pesh and Cook combining for under 16 points and under seven rebounds and only combined playing 33 minutes a game. What's the deal? Uh, uh, what is happening with the Sharks with regards to the front court? I... <laughs> I just don't think, well, when Marcus Del Pesce is your best scorer within your front court, 
yeah, it just seems that there's a lack of depth or a lack of scoring ability. They've got good role players within them positions. Mike Tuck's always going to come in and play that role. You know, Nock is going to play that role for them. I don't find, find him a real scoring influence. I think Del Pesce is the more dynamic out of that. I just don't see the depth within that position to be able to impact against these teams. I mean, amazingly, I thought watching them on Sky, for a team so small, they controlled the tempo extremely well against Newcastle. And Newcastle didn't change any threat to actually play a part to that. So they're going to get away with, with teams like this. But I think, yeah, I, they just need some sort of scoring presence more than Del Pesh uh, to actually change up a couple of things for them because they can score They can score on runs with Anderson, Nichols, Rotino, Glasgow Jr. But when you can focus solely on back-to-back baskets, back-to-the-back baskets on knock and then the pick and roll on Del Pesh, where are you going to go next? Yeah, for me, it's an interesting one. And I kind of was trying to think, is this something they've just kind of ended up with because this is how recruitment has has like dropped the cards? This is how the cards have laid out with regards to the recruitment they've done? Or do you think Coach Atiba Lyons is intentionally playing small ball? Do you think he's intentionally built a roster to play small ball and almost the the, the bigs are are an afterthought in the sense of I've got to have beast because we've got to have some form of inside presence just on a defensive perspective, not even offensive. But is it intentional small ball from Coach Lyons? I, I think so too. I think it is intentional. I think Cheshire are going the same way about it as well. When you look at other teams within the league, I think it's a way that they feel that they can win. And I think it is intentional. I think watching the game is quite ironic as well because actually watching the game against Leicester, Leicester really could have done with the services and Nelson Henry within that game just to put up another dynamic. But yeah, I think it is intentionally done that this is the way they're going to play. They're probably going to try and outscore you, you know, and let's see what happens from there and play some up-tempo stuff. So, yeah, so when it comes to small ball, though, it's exciting to watch. Fans love watching small ball because it is dynamic, it's athletic, it's much higher paced. You're going to have more possessions in a game when you're running small ball than if you're running more traditional, at least one big um, as a focal point offensively. But does it does it limit their potential? Is there a point where they're like, there's only so far you're going to go if you are running truly small ball mm. and you have no way of flexing to move towards, you know, incorporating some kind of focused big uh, offense is that the limiting point where they're not going to be able to break into being a top two team in the league because they literally are contained within this small ball like you say it's exciting it will beat some teams but it's not going to beat the, the some of the better teams in the league no it's it's as well it's how do you stop runs how are you going to change up to stop runs and also they don't maximize it defensively if we're going to score you know if you can't there's at some point especially against Leicester, where Leicester took the big run on them on the, th- on the second, the big run in scoring on them on the, th- on the fourth. <coughs> How do you get to the free throw line more consistently as well? Stuff like that. It's just something has to be, it's a game changer to be able to play with a back-to-basket scoring option, easy scoring option, instead of playing against a team where we can always switch out on you, etc. We can defend you full court because you know that's what the promise of your thing is. It's very, very hard to sometimes just break it down and live with that exception for the rest of the season. It's going to catch people out, 
But as soon as you start playing people two or three times and you can manage it, I just think it's not, you know, you've got to live or die by the jump shot. Yeah, and also it, it just changes the dynamic. If you're a guard defending small ball, you can commit to your defensive assignment. You don't have to worry about what's happening in the interior. You're not going to have to front a post. You're not going to have to help down and double down onto a post. You can almost overcommit to it, knowing that whoever your bigs are, are free to pretty much just provide rim protection mm. because they're not having to work hard particularly to to block out or you know or, or stop a big establishing themselves too low in the post. So it just changes the whole dynamic. It actually, when you're that true small ball, it almost makes it more difficult for guards to be creative because they don't have the space that they would have if the, the team they're playing against had to play more team defense. Um, uh, the other thing I wanted to wanted to jump in on and. Uh, looking at this is we, we mentioned Tuck and I, f- I find it really interesting because it was a weird one in the off season. We had a, is he, isn't he returning kind of mindset? We, you know, which always seems strange because surely, you know, as soon as the season finishes a guy like Tuck, who's been there, I think is this certain 12 or 13? Yeah. You know, if you're going to sign him or not, you know, it seems weird that you'd have that discussion. Um, He's only playing nine minutes a game. Now, do you think this is Tuck's last year? Uh, with the Sharks as a player, I think yeah. I think also if the if the club want to move on to, he's transitioning in his career, going into TV, etc. I think the club also need to transition in because he is a focal point of their, you know, of what they do. You know, he's got the defining rebounding team coordinates, you know, position within that team. I think it is sort of time where you know. It's definitely in the, on the cards that Sheffield need to move on, you know, and start bringing in somebody else for that position. Yeah, no, I agree with you. You know, uh, Mike's a phenomenal player, really good guy as well. Um, definitely one one of the the really good guys around British basketball. But he's clearly making the move now, like you say, the work with Sky that he's doing around both the BBL and and the NBA stuff that Sky are doing. So it's great to see him being able to make that transition because we don't see many pro players make that transition from the BBL into something still basketball related. Mm -hmm. They have to kind of leave and find other careers elsewhere. So it's great to see Mike kind of hopefully plowing a a, a furrow that other players can can follow in the future. Um, Do you believe, so we're saying, you know, clearly small ball, potentially a front court issue. Are we going to see roster changes? And do you think it's going to be additions or do we see players being cut to bring in new players? Or is this the team... Uh, that we're going to see for for the season for Sheffield. I think I think with Sheffield, you know, historically, I think this is what you're going to see for the rest of the season. If any additions, it does have to come with with size. I think to be able to play that different style of system. But I can see that maybe Atiba's going to try and milk as much as possible out of this lineup and try to get them to play different styles or even different strategies defensively because of just the way that the club set up set up is yeah i think for me they're moving towards this small ball. I don't think things are going to change. I think the focus can change. So I think they can intentionally make more of Del Pesh, more of Cook in the offensive end. I think they can potentially shift their dynamics slightly so they're not so high tempo, not trying to run the ball as hard as they are, which excludes the bigs from being able to establish. But like you, I just don't I don't think they're going to make a change. I wouldn't be surprised if they did, but I don't think they'll make any changes. Um, they've got an interesting running um, for the rest of this year. 
So they've got four more games before the end of the year. Patriots are home, Patriots away, Lions away, and then Rocks away. So three out of their last four games in 2021 are on the road. Um, focusing on those first two games um, first, Patriots at home, then Patriots away. Obviously, we talked about the Patriots uh, in the last episode. They've changed. They've definitely brought in more talent that's going to help them. But do you still see the Sharks as absolute full favourites for those games? Or could Patriots create an upset? I think uh, having that fast-paced style running game kind of suits the Patriots a little bit. <laughs> Higher tempo, don't have to defend for so long, get up and down the floor, but, you know, be very yeah. open within style of play. Yes, I think, you know, they matching up with them, I'd be Paul James, I'd be looking at them games thinking, hmm, one of them. Yeah. Maybe, you never know, because, you know, if we can keep within the game within the last two minutes... Uh, hey, there's a different style that we can play. So, yeah, I think it's a dangerous point being on it. I think that, you know, the talent on the floor is higher than higher than Plymouth. So there's no doubt about that. I just think style of game, it could actually end up suiting more Plymouth than actually the other way around. Yeah, I, yeah, I know what you mean. It's interesting. I think the changes definitely help Plymouth. So with Roel Graham-Bell coming into the Plymouth roster, I think he could potentially be looking at the Sheffield game thinking, I'm going to enjoy this one. I'm going to go after them a little bit. You know, they might not, they might not be expecting it. I think I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive. Um, and I think he could have an impact. But I think those games are interestingly set. I think the Sharks are still clearly favourites. Mm -hmm. um, we haven't seen Plymouth, even after those changes, we haven't seen them come away with a win yet. And it's all well and good having better performances, but tipping it over into a win is a very different concept of running a game close um so i think sharks are still favorites but again i don't think they're massive favorites anymore you know i think the patriots are, are certainly looking better which is great for the league that's for sure that the patriots are moving in the right direction um sharks third game is away to the lions now the lions have looked phenomenal this season and scarily for the rest of the league they just seem to be getting better um do the Sharks have any chance in that game in your mind or are the Sharks a long, long way away from being competitive against a team like the Lions? I think there's too many pieces, even with just the selection that they bring out in the BBL, that they're to just, you know, with the seven-foot reach of Kelly in there, <laughs> style of play that they're running. You can bolster with Jordan Williams. I think there's just too many options that... Yeah, I think their front court is too go powerful, to. right? Yeah, I think there's too many options that London can go to. I think they can dominate from the free-throw line. I think they can dominate on the boards. And, you know, if they want to go for a gunslinging hoe, you know, shootout, with, yeah. they can win that game as well. So I just <laughs> think there's way more... There's too many ways that that London can control that team play too many different styles and I just think that that you know you will probably see a very quick start again you know yeah it'll run out 30 points in a quarter then it'll calm down again it's just how they balance the waves but London have got too much for them yeah I, I think I agree it'll have to be a bad day at the office for the Lions and and one of the best performances that Sharks put in this season for them to be able to come away with the win um from the and again on the road so down in the copper box as well so you've got the journey down there uh, in in the wintry weather. If it's if it's been like this weekend, that's not going to be fun. Um, the final game for me of their 2021 is probably the most interesting. Um, so they travel up to Glasgow to take on the Rocks. Um, is this the biggest indicator of where the Sharks are? 
really, because we're saying, well, they're close to being a contender, but to be close to being a contender means you kind of have to be above that mid table teams and, and rocks look like they're going to be mid to top, mid to higher level of the table alongside the likes of the giants. Um, if they're able to turn over the rocks on the road, is that a good indicator that they are fighting for a top four finish? Yeah, I think it puts them in that sort of range. Anytime you beat the Rocks, Manchester, etc., or take them close or find new identity to yourself through that, I think for me, they're probably a shoe in to beat Glasgow if we're taking Glasgow in the defensive displays that we've seen the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Although, uh, to be fair, the biggest problems Glasgow have are like paint defense, interior defense, yeah. which they won't particularly need against the Sharks. Exactly. But I mean, I think. Del Pesh with the pick and roll could have a little bit of a field day. Yeah. You know, against that, I think they're good enough to stretch the floor when Ali Fraser's out there. You know, they can play high perimeter defense on Fraser, forcing him to post up and run at a tempo. You know, you're going to change the tempo and try and run on them. That suits them as well. So, yeah, it's a difficult game to match up with these guys, especially for Glasgow. But it is an indication because they are a top six team, Glasgow. You know, it's yeah. definitely an indication of where they're going to be. So with that in mind, you're saying that you don't think the Sharks are going to make changes, no new additions, no players out, no players in. Where, As the as the BBL is tracking now, now don't get me wrong, we love the BBL because players are cut and new players are signed at the drop of a hat. So we can see rosters change pretty rapidly before the February uh, uh, deadline. Where do you feel this Sharks roster as it is against the other rosters as we see them today? Where does it stack up? Is it is it a top half? So is it a top five team? Is it a top four team? Where do you think they're going to finish out this year? I think they're seeing because of the, the scoring power that they have, <clears throat> maybe with the consistency of the league, top six, top five. Yeah. Definitely within that, you know, they're definitely within that, within that discussion for sure. Um, it's just what he can get out of this team. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, this because when you look at some of the teams lower down, I think you, you would put them now as it stands today, above Surrey, above Bristol, um, uh, above Plymouth, above Newcastle. Well, that puts them top six, so that puts them into sixth. Probably above Cheshire, because Cheshire have just been weirdly inconsistent at the moment. And then it's in a bun fight with Glasgow and Manchester to to go above that, right? I think they're definitely below Riders, as was shown this weekend, and definitely below Lions. So it is. I think their their band is between third and sixth. I think yes. that's where they'd be. You know, third they'd be exceptionally happy. Sixth they should should accept anything below that. I, I would be pretty disappointed. Yeah, yeah. I think when you go into the likes of Manchester, they have the ability to force Manchester to play. Dan Clark inside because they can switch out on the perimeter for that pick and pop game that they play. So yeah, I think it, they 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 match up very well against Manchester as well. So you know it's definitely within the realms for them to be able to take a top four, top five position going into the playoffs at the end of the season. Yeah, things look pretty positive. Although they weren't able to come away with the win, I think for Sharks, I think we both agree that the season's looking pretty positive for them. Um, let's move on to our second question for our episode today. Um, and we're going to speed forward a little bit because I'm a little bit overexcited about this. It was great to see the Lions qualify and qualify in some style as well for the second round of the FIBA Europe Cup. Um, they'll face Batashir College, uh, Avtador, Saratov and Bakken Bears in their second round group. Um, the question I've got for you are, what are 
the Lions' chances in the FIBA Europe Cup second round? Full-on qualification. If you're saying it, you know, I'm going to drop a, I'm going to drop a hat on that one. Wow, I like it, man. I oh, know. I was sceptical at first, but watching, seeing them play with my own eyes at the Copper Box, this team is legit. In many ways, they got different. They got different aspects. They've got one-on-one scoring. They've got point guard leadership. They got shot blocking ability. They can score with the back to the basket. They can control tempo. They look very together as a team. I think winning six and zero has given them complete confidence moving into the next stage of the first round of the qualifications. <laughs> I just see, and and for the depth of British basketball, it's just fantastic that now we're actually talking about instead of just actually, oh, can we do it? Can we not? Which has been a couple of teams before. Yeah, they just rewrote the rule book and just gone steam, <laughs> steam rolling in there. It's a team at the moment that I actually like. I like to watch. I like. Yeah, they're definitely see- entertaining as well, right? They're not. They're not winning games in a boring way. They're putting on a show. And they've just got so many dimensions to them and they've got enough to definitely beat back. And I think they've got enough to, to take on the Turkish team. And then really with Avatar, I've been on that journey. It's a long, long way. <laughs> it's a minimum of a, ten, a, minimum of a, a 10 hour flight. Journey. It's a horrible journey. So yeah, you've got to, you've got to really watch out for that one. I had a quick look and they will fly into, it looks like they're flying to Gagarin Airport, which I just love. That's full yeah. Russian, right? You've got to love an airport being named after your astronaut. So yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Like you said, the first round was great because they kind of got their qualification secured early. They obviously had the hiccup at the end against uh, Midi Bayreuth, but they come out of that group in second. The only issue that caused them was facing in the second round two first place teams rather than two second place teams. But I agree with you. I think against the Turkish opposition, Batashir College, um, although they finished first in their group and were unbeaten, I just feel their games were too close. You know, they were winning games by a couple of points here and a couple of points there. And, and I don't like the word fortunate because I don't necessarily buy into the luck concept within pro sports, but they were fortunate to escape the group unbeaten in that situation. I think, like you said, Aftador, Saratov are the toughest group by far. Yeah. You know, uh, they turned, they did the double over Zaragoza. Mm-hmm. This isn't, you know, this is a legit team with real talent that can clearly get the job done in, in big games. Um, the Lions' first three games, though, you know, we've talked about the road situation already with the flight to Avtador. The Lions' first three games are all on the road. So they get all of their road games out of the way first, and then they return home for three home games in a row. I couldn't make my mind up. Good thing or bad thing? I think I think it's the confidence coming back home. You know you're going to, you know, you know you're going to take on these teams. You know... You know you've got a very good shot. You get a look at them on their home court. They have to travel. They have to come to you. You know, if you can sneak one or two wins on the road, you're feeling very confident with three games at home, for sure. Uh, I would be either whichever way it flicks at you. (laughs) No, I'm kind of happy. We know what the schedule is. We're going to go for it. And, uh, yeah, if we can steal two of them wins on the road, I think that just provides the team with even more confidence going forward. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, getting the three three road games straight out, Lions are looking good as long as they can hold out and not, not pick up any, any key injuries. Mm-hmm. But I don't particularly have an issue with it. You know, yeah. I think they can go and get it. 
like you say, if they can get two wins from that, that puts them in a really confident position when they welcome these teams back to their home floor. They'll have home court advantage. They'll have seen them play. They'll have experienced them. They'll understand them in far more depth. Um, as you said, Backham will be seen within this group as probably the weakest team, which in itself, that statement is a massive hat tip to Lions. Yes. That people wouldn't see the the British team as the, the worst team in the group. Um, is it a must then that the Lions do the double over back and have they got to win both of those games? Yeah, it's, I think it's a must. I think they learned from also the qualifying period. It's not like they haven't seen Beckham before or been around that team. They they played them in the qualification rounds last year, didn't they? So yeah. it, it is, it is, they match up. They're able to out, out import these guys, <laughs> you know, within what they have. So yes, I think this is for me, that's the one where you put the W on straight away. And um, would you want? Would you have wanted to face them first? Their first game is um, that road game to Batchershire College. Is that a good first game for them to have? It's kind of the middle team out of the three. Would you rather have the strongest team, the weakest team? Does it you know? Does it matter, or is it just whatever games you throw my way? I'm going to go out and, and get yeah, the job I think done. It's just job done. Get rolling with this. Yeah, I, to me, it really doesn't matter. I think. The only concern that you have is that Teague and the other haven't really played since the last round, <laughs> you know, within this team. So I just think, you know, whichever right, you know your assignment going forward. And I just think that they'll be willing to get on with this and, you know, see where we go from here. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think when you're rolling like Lions are and they're playing with a lot of confidence, you're in the mindset of I don't care who you put in front of me. I know I've got to play them at some point. Let's yep. just get the games going, right? And and I think I'll be interested to see more how they react from having this break from international. You know, having yes. this break from European competition, can they get back into that that midweek game, weekend game, midweek game, that rotation again and all the travelling and all the prep and everything that goes into that? You know, how do they get back into that rather than who they're playing, I think is going to be more important. Um, I think we both agree that Afterdor are, are going to be um, the toughest team that they face. Um, within the within this second round, who's favourite for that game? I would have them as favourites clearly over Bakken. I would probably put the Lions as favourites over Batchershire. I'm not sure I would stretch to put them over favourites of Abtador. What do you think? I think that they could. I think you're looking at splitting that series. Yeah. I think to even me, if you I'm lose the head to head on points, yeah. like they did with uh, Meadie Bayreuth, yes. just split split the series. Split the series, you know, take what it is in Russia, and then use that as a defining gate. You know, when you come back. So I think, and, and the funny thing is, if I'm Avtador, I would probably want the same. Exactly. I'd be like, I'm not sure if we can That's beat right. Lions. Lions are a good team. They got some talent. Mm. I'd be happy if we just took a game each. And we can both progress through to the quarterfinals. I don't mind if it's first or second, but we can both go through. 100%. And uh, with that in mind, you, you were quite quite confident. Are you? Are we saying now that we the expectation that we have for Lions is that they're making it through to the knockout stages of FIBA Europe Cup? Yeah. Is that the minimum expectation? I think so, and that's a credit to how they perform themselves how they have taken the criticism since the logo, since everything, you know, and they've actually yeah. stood up and said, no, we're here to be taken seriously. And In know, a professional way, because they didn't do that last year, right? No, when they got right. criticised, they went childish and started spitting dummies out. 
yeah, no, their, their performances now on the floor are actually talking for them. And when you get to that stage, it is very hard to say, you know, you're always going to have your critics. You, people are, like people will always hate Duke. <laughs> you know, you're always going to do something wrong. But in the eyes of pushing forward the game, and they're, they're actually trend setting for themselves. And it's something to really, you know, I'm glad to be a part of it back in England for once, for one season and actually watching it with my own eyes. I think it's great. Yeah, he's great. You know, like I say, last season with the Lions team, because the way they played, I don't think they represented the club or British basketball, particularly positively. Whereas I feel this team have got that balance between respect, but also the ego that you need yes. to be a great player and a great team. You know, they have the swagger and a, that little vergence of arrogance that they have. You know, I remember watching Teague put his fingers to his lips and uh, on the road in Europe saying, telling the fans to shut up. And yeah. uh, that's fine. It's just finding that balance. And the team seem to have found it. Um, I'm the same as you. I think they, that they have the talent as long as there's no injuries and they put in consistent performances. They're absolutely a quarterfinals team within um, within Europe Cup. Just to finish off our episode today, I just wanted to wrap up and kind of if we were to zoom out at the end of the season and say, right, OK, let's look back and do a review. Can the Lions consider what they've already achieved in Europe to be a success or is making the knockout stages the minimum standard of a successful European campaign for them? At the beginning of the season, I would have said it's a success. Yeah, me too. For their, for their own for their own value, yeah. I think they want more, and I want more as well. I want to go into qualification. I want it to go to a two-game split series. I do. Yeah, yeah. I do because I want to see how good this team is, and I want people to start believing, you know, they show the way that, okay, we can actually compete. We can sit within this. We can, you know, we do it right we can be here and that's it. You know, we yeah. do have the depth. It brings more credibility to the league and it's them that's running that right now. So yeah, I think even in their own standards right now, they're looking at each other saying we can actually, you know, shock a lot of people within this. And I want to be a part of that. And personally, so do I, I want to watch that too. So yeah, I'm fully for it. <laughs> yeah. I'm the same as you. I think before the season, I would have said where they've got to now getting through the first round, that's absolutely, that's a successful season. It's their first proper season in Europe after the pandemic debacle last year. So them getting through to the first, you know, through to the second round, absolutely for me is enough to say this is a successful season. Um, but I'm the same. I'm thirsty for that more success now. Now they've shown us what it feels like for a British team to win in Europe, which we haven't had for such a long time. Yeah. Um, it's great for us to be able to experience that. I want to see it in the knockout stages. I want to see them go in that that pressure situation because it's not the same in the group stages. I want to see them in that pressure situation where every possession counts, yes. where you are truly having to, you know, maximize every 24 seconds that you get with the ball. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see where do you, where's the altar? Where do you think Lions will end up? Are they making it through to the final? Is that where we think or are there bigger teams, bigger budgets and they're going to come unstuck? <laughs> well, the budgets are going to obviously increase as the teams, in, you know, as the rounds increase, <clears throat> the teams are going to get better. You're going to see changes from other teams as well to maybe go on and win this competition. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, so to me, get through the quarterfinals, into the semifinals, into a final four with this and just see where it goes. So, you know, yeah. and hopefully by then they have the camaraderie and let's face it as well, budget-wise, they're probably not scared as well to drop a change. 
you know they're they're yeah. boosted. If you've got a chance to win it, they seem like the organisation that will go and win it. So I, you know, I would really wouldn't be surprised even if they added to make to make this sort of thing happen. Yeah, but you're also worried that you're going to dis like move the balance. The funny thing so, for me but, is I can see why people do it for it, and I shouldn't know this, but I don't. But I'm not sure if this season again the winners of FIBA Europe Cup get automatic qualification to the regular season of the Basketball Champions League next year. I think that happened in previous years, but I don't know if it's the case still. Yeah, whether you, sure. can, if I you can, wow, that yeah. you know that is a, a a massive prize for Lions to go after, and with the money that Triple Seven now they've invested in the league, or have they? Because that story's been taken down by the BBC. I have a feeling the BBC released the story before they were supposed to. Um, but Triple Seven have clearly got the money. You mm. could see them going out, and like you're saying. Uh, increasing uh, the the level of, of the of the quality, and I could see GB players coming back to do it. Me too. I could see them attracting some big name GB players to come in in February or March. Yeah. To to take on that challenge of pushing the team through to the to the latter stages. Exciting yeah. times, though, right? It is, it is exciting times, and when you're with that team dynamic as well, you know as a team that we need one more piece to make us better. We need one more piece to because you get to see who's also in that final four stage. <laughs> So you know, going into these competitions, I just think yeah. it's just very, very exciting. I love it. I absolutely love it. I can't no, it's great. lie about that. It's great. And it's really good to be positive about it, right? Yes. It's nice for us to be able to come into an episode, both of us be on the same page and super excited and positive about British basketball moving in the right direction in one of the avenues. Okay, well, that wraps up another episode of Make Them, Take Them. Thank you so much for listening in. We hope you've enjoyed the episode. Do make sure you go over and give Rookie a visit. It's rookie.uk. We'll be back next week with more British basketball discussion. Until then, have a good week and we will see you all soon.